I've been reading again, and it's been an education. And what I've learned is that the 1960s represented both the peak of sailing yacht development and civilization in general. Of course, that was only a few years after Tom Cunliffe had invented sailing, and long before Brexit. But there's no doubt boat design has gone backwards ever since. I discovered these amazing revelations in a box of sailing annuals I found at a boat jumble. It's hard to believe what was going on back in 1964, but it just goes to show how far we've regressed since then. I quote from a boat review, Deck and cabin top are a one-piece moulding and deck head leaks just cannot occur. Amazing. And here's another one. All models are entirely moulded glass fibre and are completely maintenance-free except for anti-fouling and are washed down and polished every so often. Even more amazing. Such virtues sound like the holy grail of all modern boat owners, but it's clear to me that the industry had to stifle such innovation as it would have threatened the splosh, sealant and polish business that makes up the major, major part of today's global marine industry. Of course, now in 2017, we all wonder why, mostly, at the high-tech antics of the America's Cup. But the entirely non-leaking boat in the 1964 review was light-years ahead of the game in other ways too. Again, I quote, Twin hydrofoil bilge keels and large skeg give her a remarkably high performance. Wow, I want one. This harbinger of change, this spearhead of revolution, was the epoch-making, turtle-backed Westerly 22, pioneer of GRP mass production. It must have been amazing to be alive back then. In fact, I was, because all the boats reviewed possessed qualities today's owners can only dream of. Every single one of them was uniformly attractive, lively, fast, dry, stable, sea-kindly, amazingly roomy, capable of crossing oceans, and in the case of GRP-1s, built to last forever. And that's why there was no need for warranties. But there was more going on. Terraline, which had been developed so that travelling salesmen's jackets didn't crease or bend when hung in their Ford consoles, management had zodiacs of course, migrated into sailcloth. The development of non-breathing nylon, invented for encyclopedia salesmen's shirts, was funded by the male grooming industry, which simultaneously produced the most powerful masking scent on the planet, brute aftershave. And so, did industries work hand in glove, literally. For when nylon was spun off into boat ropes, this led to the development of sailing gloves to protect hands from bristles. Another thing I've observed from my research is that an amazing number of boats were named after British brands of ladies' lingerie. Trust me on this, it's true. Silhouette, Contessa, Fantasy, Debutante and 
Caprice really were high street band, brands. Don't ask me how I know this stuff. But an even greater revelation was that feet and inches were much longer back then before they were devalued by Brexim. Because every 20-foot boat had at least four berths, sometimes more. And even boats smaller than that had the luxury of full lying headroom. And that even included every open boat on the market. Many yachts even boasted flush toilets. They didn't flush exactly, but their seat lids were flush with the bunk top. But development like that couldn't continue at that pace. In fact, it stalled. For a decade or so after that, the only notable development was the inclusion as standard of four-inch foam bunk cushions to provide unsurpassed levels of comfort, followed shortly after by the optional fitment of fire extinguishers to put them out. But the most notable thing of all was that journalists were a lot nicer back then and far more amenable to a long lunch in an agreeable gentleman's club with these trailblazing blazered titans of British industry. Back then, journalists had standards and wore blazers too. Unfortunately, women wore skirts, which meant they weren't allowed into gentlemen's clubs, which in turn meant they weren't allowed to be journalists. But all that changed. And how saddened I was to see how chippy and unsupportive journalists became in the 1980s. And here I cite an article which sourly rounded on the Westerly 22 for its, and I quote, hideously inefficient looking shallow bilge keels. All I can imagine is that this journalist had to buy his own lunch. To trace the origins of what I can only describe as an unpatriotic malaise, I leafed through later editions of this fine annual tome into the 1970s and was amazed to see no mention of the 18-foot sailfish's famed six-berth accommodation. Admittedly, people were shorter then. In fact, there was no mention at all of the sailfish whatsoever. But what I did notice, however, was that boats produced by manufacturers who advertised were all uniformly attractive, a lively, fast, dry, stable, sea-kindly, amazingly roomy, capable of crossing oceans and built to last forever. And it's only now, thanks to a free and independent press, that I can at last reveal key innovation of 1971 that set the sailfish apart and scared rivals. Namely, the inclusion of a fitted polythene washing up bowl as standard. You have a right to know this kind of stuff.